This is the Requiem Metal Podcast, episode 52, Pyogenesis.
heard still burn in the fire by pyogenesis on the requiem metal podcast i'm your host mark and i'm jason and, and this is going to be a divisive show uh, kind of controversial because people either really enjoy everything pyogenesis has done or they think after waves of eurostasia they they're complete crap they're kind of done yeah um I, you know but i beg to differ <laughs> i and i i agree with you uh even though i'm a late bloomer to pyogenesis mm-hmm. uh the people that i've introduced to pyogenesis in the past like five or six years i think ultimately the band was just a little too ahead of its time in in, in their own right like yeah. they were they were trying to sell um a too diverse of a sound to an audience that wasn't had not progressed as fast as they had yeah, and the weird thing, it's it's another it always comes back to Germany having very bizarre like mashes of influences, it seems like like Obscura is one of the more recent, more kind of refined acts, but mm-hmm. look at a lot of like um Well you look at like uh Oh I can't think of Atrocity, the uh the doom metal band, like how all over the place they were with like all these weird industrial influences and it's really melodramatic stuff. Yeah. And uh and even like even like the bands that have found like their mass audience like in Germany like uh, like say Tiamat for instance I mean Tiamat yeah. was almost sort of lured even though they're Swedish they were kind of lured into a lot of change very quickly. Therion you know, and Therion yeah. is the same way and then you know uh, I you know, I can't speak for Rammstein but you know 
who knows what it, they're yeah doing. they've got germany's got a very it seems like they have a, a large audience that are they're hungry for really bizarre stuff like david hasselhoff and pyogenesis and, and whatever and really like really bad porn you know yeah, they're, it just, it's just it's a bizarre kind of you know mixing of all the European cultures, kind of all kind of being filtered together in this really weird. There's like a properness and like an extremely violent like horror horribleness to sort of German culture. That's it's like always Japan or something. Exists. Exactly, yeah. Japan and I mean, it's no. I mean, as a history teacher, <laughs> I, I you know I don't I don't see that as a odd coincidence. Let's I guess Italy's kind of the same way, aren't they, with music? Uh, they're very, they're very bizarre. Very bizarre, but Italy is almost like you know, like Rhapsody to me defines what Italian metals. Or maybe I'm thinking about. more, more uh, Greece. Oh yeah, Greece is definitely like weird too. Yeah, you know? like the, the whole like septic flesh and nightfall crowd, and they're just there's some, Christ. And, yeah, they're just you know. really bizarre kind of like like genres that shouldn't necessarily go together come together. Sure. This is the oh no. Blind Guardian was the first German band that we've done on the, the podcast. But this is the second, I think. It's the third. Third? Obscura. Oh, yeah. Just mentioned Obscura. <laughs> it's funny, because when I hear Obscura, I don't think German. It's That's the weirdest part. I, I guess I just, I hear, like, all yeah, and the death influences and all the, you know, atheist and cynic and all yeah, the other really kind in, of things. In the metal, at least in metal perspectives, Germany is probably best known for, like, the creator destruction, Sodom's. The like Scorpions really, too, you know. I mean, like the, you know, the Teutonic. Yeah, metal, as far as the extreme know. metal stuff goes, more more of like the uh, you know blazing fast thrash kind of speed the metal. death thrash kind of thing. And then outside yeah. of that, they've got a really bizarre power metal like Halloween's from Halloween, Black Guardian. And, uh, uh, oh, what's know. what's the other the other big one that I'm forgetting? Primal Fear. Them, but there's the other one. The guy that does uh, he does some backing vocals on Black Gamma Ray. Gamma Ray. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah, so they're, they're I'm your go-to those. guy for really bad <laughs> names. When Chris isn't around, uh, to you know, I'm the second in command in the power yeah. metal legion. But uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, case is just you know, Germany has some very very diverse backgrounds, more so than I think any other uh, metal producing areas. I think in Europe, they have sure. some very bizarre stuff, and it's it's very hit and miss for at least for my taste. And I and I think again, like going back to where Pyogenesis were in their careers, and and clearly from the song you just heard, I'm sure a lot of you who have never heard any Pyogenesis are probably scratching your heads, going, "What are these guys talking about?" Yeah, still burn the fire sounded like just something they've played a hundred times on Record Metal Podcast, you know, like My yeah. Nine Bride or some other Doom kind of stuff. But as you're going to see very quickly, they're going to move beyond this sound and they're going to move into uh, territory where they start experimenting with pop music a little bit and, and different and this kind weird, of odd vocals. And, yeah, this and, alternative meets, uh, you know, Seattle meets grindcore bizarreness. Yeah. It's just, it's really, and then the, the the two main members, well, the two main guys basically that, that kind of started the thing up is um, Flo Schwartz and Tim Ellerman. Mm-hmm. And they kind of stick with it throughout. And the, the other guys, I mean, the first couple records, is just kind of like, you know, Don the drummer here yeah. and then whatever. So the... the Pitt. And, was, and Pitt. Pitt was drumming on that last song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on Waves of Your Estate, Pitt, it's Don, Pitt sounds I like a, a really bad, like, Charles Dickens character or something. Or Dale like. Keown character. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, the the kind of the, I think, the definitive pyogenesis lineup in my mind was uh, the Twin L Blood lineup with uh with roman Shanice on bass who you've heard his stuff on bloodline on our uh santanic offerings christmas yep. episodes yeah and uh woolly the drummer <laughs> and he, he's i think he goes on to stay with them for quite a while but that that's kind of like the the core that i think they really kind of hit their stride and after that 
uh, as I, I enjoy it, but I think uh, the the other albums after Twin Owl Blood, their third record, I think it's kind of it's like a diehard fan kind of thing. Like oh, I'll buy anything Paul McCartney does. Sure. So it's it's if you're willing to follow along the journey, but for the intents and purposes of the Requiem Metal podcast, it's kind of we're kind of end at Pile Genesis. It gets a little bizarre. Uh, Twin Owl Blood. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and the other thing that I was I was kind of alluding to too is that. I think in the today's climate, which you and I have talked about before, both in private and also on the podcast, this is a this is a an era of music where genres don't really matter anymore mm-hmm. as much to like this new generation because this new generation was raised in an environment of total accessibility because of the internet. Oh yeah. Of all music all at once. And what they've started to do is synthesize all this stuff together into whatever the hell they want it to be, which uh, you'll hear next week when we talk about, you know, Kyliza, which is, Mm -hmm. or even when we talked about Funeral Mist a couple weeks back, you know, there's like this crossbreed of genres that are all going in and they're really a newer generation kind of band of black Mm -hmm. metal. You know, Kyliza we'll hear next week is more of a new generation of sort of like, uh, you know, rock and roll sludge, doom, you know, Mastodon like metal type stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Pyogenesis was doing all these things in the mid '90s. They actually predate it when Anathema and Bride and Paradise Lost really went through their experimental phase. They oh were yeah, like, they were like two years ahead of everybody else. And so I think you know um, there was a certain sense of rejection and anti uh, stance against that because of this this idea of true metal or, or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it. Or you know we talk about cult black metal or. You know, I think that existed in the metal scene at that time. I mean, I think, I think the metal scene was very conservative in a weird way. In, oh, it totally in early, was in the early '90s. It had not really been able to allow itself to drift out of that, and anybody that that went too far away from that uh, was sort of, you know, cast aside. I mean, I remember how venomous people were to Entombed after Wolverine Blues. Yeah, you know, and I mean. Granted, their career from even Wolverine Blues got on, of yeah, exactly. You know, but I think you know, even like post Wolverine Blues and Tomb stuff, it's some of it's great and some of it's not so great. But oh well, they're they're in Tomb. They're gonna, you know mm-hmm. they're paving their own path and stuff. And I think I think Pyogenesis was just ahead of the curve. And I think they the thing I think that probably I don't know either perplexed or pissed off people was how effortlessly they went from one genre to the next, and they did it pretty. Like you can't dispute that Ingus Creatio, the first Pyogenesis record, is like a fantastic Doom record. Mm-hmm. It's and classic. Then, and then know? yeah, and even if you've never you hear that, and then you go listen to like Mono, and that's like it's like an, uh, a European indie rock record. Yeah, it, it's it's amazing. It's it's the two band, you know the same the same band for the most part, and that they can still kind of well well they managed to. We've talked. I don't know if we. I'm trying to think about other bands we've talked about this with, but I guess with Catatonia, they've. It's the same thing with Pyogenesis, where they had that same kind of like uh, that emotional underpinning throughout their entire career, but mm-hmm. they just kind of they telegraph that onto different subgenres of music, whatever kind of I guess works the best for the at the time. And I would say like you know, whereas like Catatonia has more of a consistent like gloom to their music, Pyogenesis they're very tongue in cheek. Go through different stages of that, yeah. you know, like uh, an Ignatius uh, Ignis Creatia. Ignis Creatia. I can never remember the title because it's written, it's, not on the it's written nowhere <laughs> on the CD, not on the cover, not on the spine, nowhere. Uh, but um, 
that's very gloomy and doomy and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and even the second record, which we'll be hearing something from in a moment. Or- I think, yeah, like Waves of Eurostasia, the second or the EP mm-hmm. was, I think that everybody was so stoked to what this band was going to do. And I think that they just burned so fast that, okay, this is it. And then they end up re recording uh, Waves of Eurostasia on Sweet X Ray at Nothings, mm-hmm. the, the second full length. And it's just like, it, they were totally, they were done with it. They yeah. just kept, they kept moving on, moving on, moving on. And they ended up, you see this, this streak of humor start to, to emerge in their work. Sure. Yeah. And I think, and just I think that, I think they alienated some people because people, you know, again, took themselves, took metal too seriously. Yeah. And, and these guys were, were sort of saying, look, you know, we're, we're growing up. We're, you know, interested in doing some other things. I mean. They even did that crazy grind project, that porn grind gut, gut. you know what I mean? Which, yeah, I mean, if you've ever, cheek, if you've you know? ever heard it, it's, it's absolutely ludicrous. It's, it's like 70 minutes of porn samples, blast beats, porn samples, blast beats. Yeah. And, and by the time you hear, um, you know, as soon as you hear like every single day from this band or the, the cover they do of Toto's Africa, which, and then think about them doing like grind porn sample yeah. stuff. You know, you're just gonna throw your throw your hands in the air and go. Oh, well, yeah. Don't and their get last it, you know? their last couple records after uh, Tim left, uh, he left after Mono, and uh, they're basically like Green Day records. Yeah, which is okay. They sell really well in Germany. Yeah, <laughs> it's, hey, it's they're, bizarre. They're you know? making a career out of it. Yeah. you know. Um, and I don't think Pyogenesis ever created enough permanence for you to ever be able to call them a cello. I mean, who are they selling out to? They never. It's not like they, they were wrote, just the they were just the odd bird. Yeah, they never wrote the nevermind of the doom genre or anything where no. they had to like you know inherit or have some Although heavy waves, burden on their shoulders. Yeah, waves at the time was kind of that was like okay, what's what are people going to do after Anathema and Bride and you know Cathedral and that kind of stuff? Like, what else is in, in store for Doom? That's like and waves, pure Doom. Waves was sort of like that. You're Wa- waves was huge when I at least what from uh, from the people I was around at the time that was a huge record. Gotcha, and it's only four songs, you know, and but yet it yeah it it did kind of you know create that atmosphere but uh it's interesting because i didn't discover this band until 2000 2000 again mm-hmm. this is one of those and and if chris is listening which he probably isn't at this point because he's not <laughs> not the biggest biogenesis fan but chris chris never really was into this band because he was one of those people that you mentioned you know kind of got lost in that divide of are you going to continue on with the the odd choices that they're making, or are you kind of done with the band? Yeah, and, it just wasn't in the cards for me. Yeah. And I think, is, you know, and I, I and Chris, if you're listening, I really think you. If, I bet if you go back and listen to Twinel Blood, you probably like it a little bit more than than you did back in the day. Just because I know Chris is a lot more open minded today. You but know, he's stubborn too, so I don't that's know. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but I, I know deep. Let's deep, not air any any laundry. Deep in, in his heart, I, I know that that Chris is a you know he's his tastes have changed a lot. You know, yeah. you know, having lived with them and, and kind of that sort of stuff. But uh, you know, so the band starts off with Igneous Creation, and we're going to hear another song in a moment called "Underneath uh, Orion's Sword." And this one, uh, I'll let you talk about it. It's in a moment. it's my favorite song on the record. It's I think it's like incredibly like anthemic and just like crushing doom another i mean thing we didn't really mention much about pyogenesis uh, outside of like you know vocally so far it's basically been you know tim doing really guttural stuff and floating the more high-pitched scream mm-hmm. kind of stuff but their guitar tones always been fantastic so heavy but yet really uh uh it, it breathes enough to where it's still audible it's not just this mess and to me I've, I've always heard like especially in these first couple records there's almost been like a more psychedelic tone that's like added on a little bit to the guitars they're, more than most standard doom which yeah was their, like, their lead tone was just, it was almost like like tortured mm-hmm. single note 
I mean, yeah, just, just like, like, and, like and bending stuff out of key, and it just it totally fits with the aesthetic that they're going for at the time. And if you know the opening track that we open the show with, "Still Burning the Fire," kind of starts with this purposeful, uh, really like lo-fi, crappy production. Mm-hmm. At, at the beginning, you sort of like lure the listener into like, "Oh, is, this is gonna suck." It's like a demo or something, and then like it kind of comes in with the full like produced nature of, of, mm-hmm. of the music, and it really kind of tricks the listener in a way which is kind of sweet yeah know? and they've been able to like orchestra that's one thing they can they arrange really well no matter what genre they're in i think sure. you know this is just kind of the first i and i i should have done a little bit more research but i'm not sure how old they were at this point but they i'm sure they're you know teenagers or whatever and this album was kind of like a is one of those osmos mail order things at the time i think we were doing an ad trade for requiem magazine with um i forget the guy that ran osmos but like you know, we Hervé? Run, was it? Yeah, Hervé. Yeah. I always think Hervé Villachez, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, the midget from Fantasy Island is running out. Little person, records. little <laughs> person. Um, no, we did ran like a full page ad and like, okay, you get to pick, you know, this T shirt and these CDs and whatnot. And this was one of the things we were just like, oh, this looks, this looks pretty sweet. Yeah, and I, we might have read something about it, but I just remember being like completely floored when I heard this thing. And I, I again going back to when I. I first heard these guys it was when I was living with Brian Allen and, and you were starting to kind of come over quite a bit and mm-hmm. you guys just got in a conversation about Pyogenesis I'm sure at our apartment I was like you know I've only heard you know Twin Ale Blood on the the UHF VHF Relapse Nuclear Blast <laughs> compilation yeah. and and then Symbol of Disgrace from the uh, Beauty and Darkness, Beauty and Darkness comp. comp which we'll play near the end of the show and you know that was it and i i mean i didn't hate the band i remember twin ale blood from that comp because it stood out you know mm-hmm. you, you had dissection and dismember on like either side of it and then twin <laughs> ale blood you know so obviously it, it jumped out at you but um i never heard it and you guys busted that out and then busted out the first two which we're gonna mm-hmm. you know, hear waves waves of eurostasia and then igneous creatio and all that and so you know i was born a fan at that point and i've you know so i don't I don't have any knowledge of the the golden years of Pyogenesis because I kind of got into them when they were basically kind of done with metal in a way. You yeah, know, they and, and they really burned it. through the scenes so quick that they. I don't really know how much. The, the most I ever heard about them was when Waves came out. Yeah, and I wonder how many people, how many younger people are actually even aware of them. Exist the and a couple people like a, a friend of mine lives in Texas, uh, avid like uh, comics fan loves i mean he's like a big danzig fan faith no more and loves pyogenesis he went you know back from i think the first thing he might have heard was uh was probably like sweet x-rated but uh-huh. he went back and he loves the the first record and he's gotten everything they've done since that's uh, and they're a really weird crossover band because a lot of people don't necessarily like death metal that much kind of get into kind of get into twin ale blood because it's this weird mixing and mashing of yeah. you know you'll have brutal death metal vocals over the top of fairly heavy guitar i mean it's like you know, Dinosaur Junior kind of guitars or something with yeah. with death metal vocals, and then like totally kind of poppy songs and harmonicas, and yeah. it's it's a really weird tapestry, you know. Yeah, for sure. But uh, and 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 we're gonna kind of start getting towards that with with this next set of music. Uh, we're gonna burn through underneath Orion's sword from from the debut Igneous Creatio, and then we're gonna play a song from Waves of Eurostasia. Uh, which is called Through the Flames. Which is, I think, kind of, if you know any song by them, you know the song. Yeah. That, That's been re-recorded three or four times by them. That well. was, I think that was, like, the first song that that I really knew of theirs, mm-hmm. you know, like, besides Twin Ale Blood, uh, when, when we first kind of, when you guys re-got me into Pyogenesis. And then we're going to hear a pair from uh, Sweet X-Ray and Nothings, and we'll, we'll talk more about Sweet X-Ray and Nothings when we come back. So, enjoy uh, Underneath Orion's Sword. 
things you said to me can be true I don't trust and they're burning me Burning me, burning me It's true and I go
Stasis on All Search, Through the Flames, and Underneath Orion's Sword. And uh, those last two in particular, um, well, I guess musically, was there anything, uh, we talked a lot about uh, Ignatius Creatio and mm-hmm. a little bit about Waves, but was there anything else that sort of stood out to you about Waves uh, that was different than the debut? Well, the production, I mean, it is, is night and day, and there's a little bit, uh, I think the, the whole kind of sound is refined, and it's almost like that's the peak of what they wanted to do with that sound. Mm-hmm. And I think people thought Sweet X-Rated Nothings that we just heard you know, a couple songs from was going to be more like the full version of Waves of, of Eurostasia. That that was just sort of a hint towards... Yeah, and they completely, you know, they turned 90 degrees and go a different way. I think they sort of shocked people. And I think the other thing I we completely forgot to mention, that's kind of my fault because I was bringing it up earlier, is the, the presence also, which this was still fairly new. I mean, Celtic Frost had done it, Paradise Lost, My Dying Bride, a little bit, and even Anathema. Uh, but of the well, female Theron vocals... at this point, too. It, it started... It'd be, this was... It wasn't the bombastic way that Therion has brought stuff mm-hmm. in or atrocity or anything. This was more of the, the classic Gothic era, Paradise Lost yeah. kind of female vocal integration. Yeah, and it was Martha Gonzalez that you heard on the, the first couple songs of the, the show. And then on Waves, um, I don't know, did Through the Flames, uh, I don't think there's female vocals on that song. I think it's other songs that had it on the Waves. Oh, yeah, it was... Um, yeah, let me see. I can't remember. This is great radio, guys. Well, because I know it was... Uh, she played violins as well. Pia Fruth, I don't know, whoever that is, so maybe a friend. But I think it was on Down that there's female vocals, if I'm not mistaken. But Yeah, Mark, I plead ignorance. I have to listen to the thing. Mark's the biogenesis expert. I'm the guy with the, yeah, the memory that lasts 15 minutes. <laughs> and But so Sweet X-Ray and Nothings, as you said, was sort of a letdown for some people. Like, what was, what was going on with this record when it came out? Oh, I think when I first heard it, I was just like, okay. First of all, the title was... Okay, what the hell is this about? Mm-hmm. You know, it just seemed kind of kind of bizarre. I'm like, well, okay, well, the you know, just from a cover standpoint and you know, song titles is like, okay, this seems a little a little off. I'll give it a chance. I think initially I was probably let down by it, but I think after a while I went back and uh, and gave it a little bit more of a chance. And the and it's still probably out out of the records we're gonna be playing, it's the, the least strong yeah. front to back record. It's definitely a, a a grower and or not a grower. It's more of a it's it's one of their transitional records put it that way yeah because it still is hanging on to like those first couple records the a little bit of the sound and it's mm-hmm. reaching for something more but it hasn't Vo- yeah vocally like it. the tim's not going for the guttural quite as much it's a little bit more of a rasp mm-hmm. and uh there's still you know like uh what you just heard extatious had some you know totally death vocals in it but it's not the whole record just feels kind of flat to me production wise songwriting everything feels a little flat uh, a song we didn't play, but is is a a fan favorite, at least me and a couple people I know. Uh, These roads is kind of just like a, a goofy, you know, uh, 
it just feels like a like a cheesy 80s rock song or something yeah and it's really like the introduction of this new style of like back and forth vocals that they're gonna do with yeah. fairly clean vocals on these roads for yeah. the most part you well, know? except when yeah tim says no 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 yeah <laughs> it's <laughs> And and I could I could just see people listening to like that song and just kind of like feeling like they had uh, jumped the shark in a way. Sure. Yeah. Well, and and if you actually if you go back and listen to purely just the music, take the the vocals out of the equation altogether. There's a lot. It's still deeply entrenched in, in the doom aesthetic mm-hmm. as far as the guitars and everything go. It was almost like uh, what Cathedral did by like the mid to late 90s too when they were kind of like exploring their more kind of like stoner like 70s disco meets like doom metal kind of thing oh like supernatural birth machine yeah where lee was doing some kind of like you know different kind of stuff and see that that seemed to fit more for me i mean because basically you know force of equilibrium was kind of like that and soul sacrifice is kind of like a a moment in time they never went back to that again yeah yeah and uh, that always seemed like that kind of... They kept going more bizarre and more bizarre. So, but so it you seemed think more like of Cathedral a, had more permission to do that? It seemed more of a reason? linear path. Because, like, Pyrogenesis didn't show as many signs of that kind of, like, you know, for better... Lack of a better word, like, that whimsy or that, the kind of weirdness that was associated with Cathedral from gotcha. the get-go. Because gotcha. they started totally, like, stock. Mm-hmm. And it's like watching Magnum P.I. and then it turns into, you know, a Pulp Fiction kind of, you know, Tar- Tarantino thing. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily make yeah. any sense at all. I like it. I like the, <laughs> I like the Magnum P.I. reference. I've been watching, there's a the really crappy TV network that's now on, I have called Retro TV Network. Uh-huh. It's like Incredible Hulk. Night oh, Rider, great, and Simon and Simon, like good show, all back to back to back. Gilbert, or was it? Uh, oh, Mulraney. What's this? What's the guy's name from Simon and Simon? Gerald McRaney. Gerald McRaney. Yeah. Major Dad. Major Dad. Oh man. Anyway, sorry. Oh, this fits in with weird references. Germany, you know. It's, yeah, it's there like, you go. Awesome. It all all fits. David in Hasselhoff, Knight Rider. You know. Heck yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, and then so they're going to jump from Sweet X-ray at Nothing's to the really the centerpiece that we're going to be kind of mm-hmm. focusing on tonight, which is Twin L Blood. Now, you know, initially you said a little bit disappointed with Sweet X-ray at Nothing's, but then it kind of grew on you a little bit. What happens when when this record comes out, and how does this hit the metal community or your your group or, or anything? I know? well, see if I can rely on my memory a little bit here, but I remember I I was like head over heels for the thing. I thought it was kind of bizarre first listen, but the more and more and more I listened to it, and it was kind of a traumatic era in my uh, you know in my life as far as instability and you know, mm-hmm. instability and things like that. So it's it's kind of a moment in time where that I really identify with that record a lot. I don't know if it's more of that than it being good, but I think. You know, upon further reflection with other people hearing it, I think it's yeah. it stands pretty well on its merits. But I don't really remember there being much anything about it. To tell you the truth, nobody talked about it. No interviews. No, no press we really didn't, at all. No, we interviewed them on. Uh, I don't know if it was mono. No, it was. Uh, I think the record before that. Sweet X Ray Nothings. No, the record before Mono. The, oh, okay. They had uh, oh, I, I cheapo speakers. It was a, it had a bunch of garbage I, on yeah, it. Yeah, I forget what that was called. But, yeah, so, I mean, because I, it seems like when when they talk about sort of great 90s metal records, no one really ever mentions Twin L Blood, you know? No, I mean, it made it on all the rounds on the... This was also right at the era where um, this was kind of the end of the era, era of Nuclear Blast America with Relapse. So and like I know that, that was, was thrown in a lot. And yeah, and I like think that. because Nuclear Blast was thrown in a lot of like oddball acts too that didn't necessarily. I can't think of any off the top of my head, but a lot of ones that didn't necessarily fit with 
okay, this is a, a death metal label. Like, why are you throwing these just bizarre industrial or pseudo pop acts, you know, on the label? And this is also when Nuclear Blast was linked up with Relapse, right? Well, this was the end of it. That very end yeah, the of the Nuclear that? Blast America thing. This was like the last year where we had, you know, like this and uh, what Storm of Lights Bane was one of the last things that went out on that. Yeah. Uh, In Flames, Jester Race. No, no, that was That's after ninety six. Yeah. yeah. So, so, huh? It dismember uh, massive killing. Massive capacity. killing capacity. Yeah, that was another one. Wait, now, were you were you weren't working at Relapse by this point, were you? What What was this? Ninety five. No, I started there. I was in there uh, 96. 96, okay. So when you got there, they were totally done with the nuclear blast thing then? It was phasing out. Okay, gotcha. The other thing that's cool too is the the art artistic sort of sense about Twin Ale Blood. Um, you know, like the, the covers previous to this have all been almost like close-up abstract kind of stuff. Like the first one is like kind of you have to turn it sideways to sort of see that's the inside of a church and that's I mean, like a stuff. high contrast cathedral ceiling you know then the the second one is is almost i mean it's like a puddle water kind it's, of glimmering yeah, it's a solarized uh, yeah effect and then you know sweet x-ray and nothings is i don't even know it's like a close-up i mean it's probably something it's probably underpants or it's probably something bizarre yeah it's probably something weird you know so <laughs> so they've gone with these sort of like very consistent kind of art artistic mm-hmm. sort of statements and then you know, you've got like a pulp cover. You know, it's like yeah, a, basically a femme fatale holding a revolver. It looks I, like I a, still hate what they did with the logo. Yeah, the, I don't. I don't mind the Twin Elbow logo, but the the Pyogenesis logo just screams bad graphic design. Yeah. 1995. But but then again, this was like right when like what people were starting to mess with Photoshop probably for the first yeah, time. Yeah, glow effects and all. You were getting some pretty horrible crap. But I really like the aesthetic of the cover. I mean, to oh me, yeah, it, it the tells you beautiful exactly what you're gonna like listen to with this record. Mm-hmm. You know, which is you know an odd and not a standard metal record. Well, the know? funny thing, the back the the band photo that mm-hmm. totally looks like you know Warner Brothers 1995 alternative band mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, photography. The sad part is, is if this had been marketed right, it could have like had a lot of crossover appeal. I think so. You know, but I don't know. That's uh, but it, it's. I mean, it's it's trying to like convince a meat eater to be a vegetarian too. It's not you can't convince. It's somebody either likes this record or they don't. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know if there there can be some appreciation. I think on the part of people for it, but it's it's kind of at a gut level instinct. Yeah. It, it seems really honest for for what they're doing, and it's uh, you know, for me, it, it satiated everything I wanted a record. It, you know, it had like catchy elements. It had you know brutality. It had great melodies. Mm-hmm. Amy even had sort of you know the the opening track we're going to start this next setup with in a moment is undead. I mean, it's really about <laughs> zombies and that sort of stuff. You know, so I mean, it still had that those like metal tendencies and things. But uh, I don't know. So we'll let we'll let you decide as the audience uh, and see what you think about the Twin L Blood era, which is uh, you know Mark and I are both giving like two very strong thumbs mm-hmm. up but you know this might be a little too far for for some of you especially those of you who just got done listening to, like the funeral miss podcast or something you know yeah it's gonna yeah. be a pretty far cry from that well, so. if anything at recommend podcast we're uh, all about diversity i mean we drop you know jazz titles and indie rock stuff and you know classic prog whatever i mean we're, we're music fans all yeah, the way through I don't, so you know i've never cared so much about genres i mean i've always said i'm a music fan and mm-hmm. i like probably something from every genre there's good and bad music everywhere yeah you know, in country music you know you got hake williams senior johnny cash and waylon you know Willie Nelson. it's true don't don't bonnie knock prince willie. willie bonnie prince willie wow if you call him country 
Alt country. Alt country. There you go. I'm depending on what story you Uncle get to. Tupelo. So, all right. So we're gonna hear uh, a trio of tunes to start things off, and then we'll come back, talk a little bit about them, and then get right back into some of the the Twin L Blood stuff. But we're gonna hear Undead. It just starts with a great sample. It's a great way to open a record too. I it's have no just, idea what it's from. Yeah, but. Uh, it's it's just perfect though. And then the title track, which is uh, an odd one with some Middle Eastern. Indian kind Some of influences, weird sitar, sitar thing, playing yeah. backwards thing, though. and then a personal fave of yours, which is uh, Snake Oil, very catchy for its uh, yeah for its vocal melody, yeah. very sentenced-y. So <laughs> enjoy, undead. There is no long countdown. There is no backup. Now or never, here it comes.
Snake Hole, Twin Ale Blood, and Undead, a uh, trio of tunes introducing you to the, the wonderful world of Twin Ale Blood, and uh, just the, the psychedelic kind of nature of the title track was always a, a big kind of attractor. You've seen the video too, haven't you? No, I don't think I've ever seen it. Oh, okay. It, I, I got pretty well, trippy? Or? Yeah, back when I was, uh, I think when I was at Relapse, uh, Bill Yerkowitz, who used to be there, or I think he's still a, uh, a silent partner. Silent partner or something. Um, Exit 13. That's right. I think he got some weird, some press pack of a bunch of junk from Nuclear Blast, and he was just going to throw away. Uh, it was like a, a promo video and a making of video, and it was all in German. And I uh-huh. took like two years of German in high school, so I could kind of get what they from were talking Herr about. From Herr Romer? From Herr Romer. Herr Romer. Pittstein yeah. King, yeah. Yeah, oh man, the sweating. But uh, yeah, you can probably find I'm sure you can find it on YouTube as well, but I, I kind of you know treasured that little weird it was just like a bizarre piece of memorabilia that you know you wouldn't really see very often yeah so. oh, that's cool but yeah the video is is totally this very kind of bizarre expressionistic uh you know following around some girl who's all drugged out you know putting lipstick around her face all like she's you know 
an airplane or something. So it was kind of influenced by kind of the the burgeoning indie movie scene that or that was kind of growing. Oh in the yeah, mid nineties. Yeah, the, totally. You know, like let's be weird for weird Twin sake. Falls, Idaho, or whatever. Yeah, and BS. You know, basically what pseudo the, uh, the Pandora's box that Lynch <laughs> and Tarantino kind of opened up yeah. to the world. So, oh well, I could yeah, I could see them being like really into like David Lynch movies, but making them like in a German sensibility. You know? Yeah, and they're they're very upfront about their uh, any kind of talk of sex or intercourse and erections and all kinds of bizarre. I mean, almost like to the point of Turbo Negro lyrics. Yeah, yeah <laughs> which is kind of kind of yeah, bizarre because they do have that bizarre like side. There's that eroticism that that started out very subtly and like you know when in the waves of Eurostasia EP, and then it just gets more blatant and more blatant, and then like the ultimate thing is the you know the gut. the gut thing, yeah. Gosh, you know, pussified and assified seven inch, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I own. And yeah, uh, I remember seeing gut in the catalog, and like Coon and I would like laugh at it, and be like, "What the hell is this?" And or the, then, the fistful of sperm seven inch yeah, that I have too. And then you, I just remember I always said like, "Well, it came out a certain color of vinyl, <laughs> and different things." There was all the relapse catalogs. We would sort of like flip through them and just be. Well, there's fascinated. such bizarre stuff, old grind stuff, Monistat Seven, People, and just well, I think even uh, Decibel, like in the last year did like a little minor special and like porn grind it was like a TV yeah and really special. gut yeah. is a you know like one of the you know, they're, they're center <laughs> centerpiece of porn grind of porn grind i guess so, so pile genesis still does have a you know an influence on the metal yeah. scene i guess but uh you know you, you, a tune like snake hole which we just kind of closed with uh we were kind of pointing out I, I i mentioned to you and i'm sure you have different thoughts about it but uh, it really reminds me of like kind of later era sentence, kind of the late '90s, kind of down and uh, crimson kind of. Stuff. Yeah, a little more, a little more commercial version. Yeah, of that. just kind of the style of singing and even like some of the guitar tones and, and melodies yeah, I and can things see that. like that. You know, so um, but it's it's very catchy. I mean, mm-hmm. incredibly catchy lyrics and and kind of cheesy lyrics, but like. Um, yeah, yeah. The the lyrics on the entire record are kind of questionable. You just kind of got to I mean, what, take them as what they are. I don't. I don't even know what Twin Nail Blood is about. I think it's nonsensical. Yeah, I think it's just some kind of bizarre irony thing. And Snake Hole, you can figure that out. And and I think that the Twin Nail Blood the record in general weren't these guys sort of really like fascinated by pop music in a weird way and trying to look at ways to sort of integrate it yeah, into that, like that, extreme metal. I think that got more into the uh, like the unpop era. Okay. Which is one I forgot. They had, okay. Then they had, um, oh, what was it Big Black Disco Coaster? They started going into all kinds of weird uh, electronic dance okay. kind of routes and remixing stuff. And I, I think they were just hungry for, for music and they were ready to throw anything against the wall to see if it stuck. Yeah. Yeah. The spaghetti approach. Yeah. And it's... yeah, I, I couldn't find reviews on this online are kind of difficult. They tried to throw you in, in some different direction for some like medical supplies. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I found a couple, and they're basically kind of the consensus wad of the couple I found was not what I expected. Pretty cool, uh, interesting way to like integrate these styles together. Yeah, so like seven out of tens kind of thing. That's that's kind of I think where I think most people are with the first time they hear it, and then they sort of get endeared to the record. I think a lot, like I have. Yeah, you, know, you, like you, you have. like it, or you know, it's just like, well, this is this ain't my cup of tea. Yeah. So, but let's uh, we're gonna hear some more from Twin L Blood. Uh, we're gonna start with some uh, Bob Dylan harmonica here. A little, uh, this is pretty, pretty uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen kind of yeah. hard rock and <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Weeping Sun, and then uh, a personal highlight for for myself. I think this might be my favorite song on the record, just because it's so bizarre. Yeah, and it has just all these like just completely weird elements from like the 
the Gaelic like female vocal Irish folk music part in the middle to like mm-hmm. the bizarre kind of uh, commentary from the uh, it almost oh imagine you and your friends at a yeah, warehouse yeah, yeah. It's just <laughs> totally weird stuff and uh, but yet it's like sort of all all through the context of a very like catchy song and it's every single day and then we'll end things with a little more doom and gloom uh, again a very strange. Full, full guttural death yeah. metal vocals on it, which, yeah. which seems it seems like such a like. What was the producer possibly thinking? Like, yeah. what are these guys thinking? They're crazy. <laughs> yeah, can, can you put some guy talking really weird over top of the music in this song? And just and, I uh, mean, if you took, vocals, if you took the death metal vocals out of the whole thing, and uh, I mean the guitar tone, people can get past guitar tone, but yeah. death metal vocals—that's a real divisive thing especially in the mid 90s people hadn't really sort of like opened up to yeah so i mean i don't know if, i don't know if it, and it wasn't a matter of you know tim can't really sing this other way because he obviously did mm-hmm. other on other parts of the album it just seems like so bizarre that a producer would be like hey let's go for it that sounds yeah. that sounds interesting yeah exactly so it will, so that's like a success killer right away yeah and that that tune is uh abstract life and we'll, we'll close things out with that so enjoy some uh weeping sun every single day and abstract life
scars And I was badly pierced Mouth full of salty fluid The nausea takes control Give color of flesh Give color to flesh I'm a world full of flesh Give color of flesh Boiling scared of love I'm one with you Lake the moon and cut my wings all through Extra life Extra life I need your extra life Extra life Abstract, sentimental. Exactly. A little, uh, a little, a little Dorianism there. A little, little Lee kind of cathedral, yeah, kind of style to that. That the way he sings. Oh, and even to his guttural. to his approach is just uh, like whatever you say. Lee Dorian can't really sing very well, but he takes that to his advantage, and he's got yeah. his own style that nobody's really been able to, you know. It's always come up with. It's always been that kind of. Uh, like there's something like a moan to to the way he sings too. Yeah, know? it's it's a really bizarre. I've never really heard anybody replicated outside of. Um, oh God, I'm drawing a complete blank. Hood, Hooded Menace. Hooded did, Menace does did, a little. Did it pretty well. Does a little yeah. of that as well. But yeah, I think um, Tim Ellerman's kind of the same kind of thing. He's like he, the guy's not a natural singer by any means, but he he does what he's got. You know, with, with uh, or he does well with what he's got. I guess he kind of makes it work for him. Yeah, and he makes up with advantage. kind of like weird choices and stuff like that, which yeah. kind of keeps the. Yeah, well, I can't sing great on this part, so I'm just gonna growl. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, the aforementioned Every Single Day and Weeping Sun, which were uh, both pretty cool tunes. So 
we're gonna close things out tonight with a uh, with a tune, which I'll let you talk about. Cause yeah, this was off the uh, the Beauty and Darkness comp, which this was actually recorded after Twin Ale Blood, which is kind of bizarre since it's. Uh, well, was it recorded after or as part of the Twin Ale Blood? Sessions? I think it was recorded after. Okay, I can't remember. I don't know if that doesn't um, really say in there. Yeah, it was recorded after the Twin Ale Blood sessions. Yeah, because I, I just remember the, that kind of like that point catching me off guard. Because Symbol of Disgrace is a very. It, it seems like it could have been on Waves of Eurostasia. Mm-hmm. It's very Doom. It's got a little bit of atmospheric kind of noodling stuff going on in the beginning. But when the vocals come in, wow, they're just like you know <laughs> guttural and brutal sure. as all get out. And this is a this is a great compilation. Actually, we were kind of like talking about this. This has got uh, you know it's got. Um, in Flames, Moonshield, which is kind of a personal fave. Mike Cantel from Amorphous. Nepenthe from Sentence. Uh, Whatever That Hurts from Tiamat. Request Denied from Hypocrisy. Cradle of Filth, Mind Rot. And then you've also Lacrimissa yeah. and some other garbage. Garbage, yeah. Uh, well, Love Light, is Love Like Blood on there, too? Uh, yep, Love Like Blood. And Atrocity featuring Das Ick. Das Ick. Oh, God. And uh, it, it does have Theater Tragedy, one of their older kind of decent songs hamlet for a slothful vassal yeah talk about melodrama Woo! but uh no theater tragedy i think are actually the first two records are pretty good yeah that's i think they saying. still i think out. that was off the second record that tune was but that was off the first record oh hamlet was okay, yeah cool um i'm a closet theater tragedy fan yeah hey, the first two i don't have anything after that i've I'll, heard, I've I'll heard the third one's great i'll vouch for the third one Aegis. it's awesome mm-hmm. yeah maybe, maybe we'll do a, a a showdown, a, a bizarre the theater tragedy show. <laughs> yeah, and this is put out '96. So this is the year uh, after uh, Twin L Blood yeah. came out. So, and this is kind of a good way to sort of close things out, I think, because it's it, it kind of bookends the show too. And it's just as weird as anything, you know. Mm-hmm. That it came out after all of this stuff with harmonicas and you know, yeah, that that we just got done playing and, and catchy sort of sing along, sing song kind of pop alternative songs. Um, and then also, if you're interested. Uh, we're going to post a link to... Uh, Their cover of Toto's Africa on the yeah, website. Which is one we really want to play, and it's it's truly cool. It's awesome. It's the coolest. It, it totally like validates Toto, in my opinion. Yeah. It's better than the Toto version. Yeah, exactly. Not that the Toto version but it, is really But it makes me actually to, like the Toto version, too. It's, yeah, I think it highlights the potential that that song had. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like weird, the emotional you know? resonance that could have yeah. like been there. And uh, it's it's more of a driving song, and it's got... I think it just features... Uh, I don't think Tim does any vocals on it. I think it's just, it's just flow doing vocals. And that came off uh, mono, which uh, was put out in '98, mm-hmm. so uh, kind of a different record for sure. Yeah, I, I actually and, like and mono. I, I like uh, every unpop is probably the most kind of garbage record. Yeah, they did. that's the one I don't have. Um, it's got some all right songs, but it's it's more of just a okay. I'm a completist. I've got the whole thing. It's kind of funny. I'll throw on a couple songs, but it's mm-hmm. got songs like Alternative Girl, Cheapo Speakers. Uh, XXL Ego King. It's got some. <laughs> this is like their most bizarre era, I, I yeah. think, and it's not. They're not firing all cylinders. It's some something's lacking for sure on that record. But they come back with mono. It's a little bit more. Uh, it could have actually been a pretty successful record. It's on Warner Brothers so Europe. I don't, I don't know how well it did or not. It wasn't released in the states at all. And then these guys still have. They're still around, right? Kind of. Yeah, Sands, uh, Tim Millerman. It's just the, the flow show just right flow. now. And they actually read. They did a, a cover or not? A, actually, it kind of is a cover CD of all their old material, re-envisioned in like their new aesthetic. Uh, how that? Have you heard that? Yeah, some of the songs, it, it's interesting takes, but some of it, it, it completely kills it. Because I think the whole thing that works about Pyogenesis is the intermingling of, you know, Flo Schwartz and Tim Ellerman. That's that's the key right there. So it's kind of like, uh, like you said, Lennon without McCartney or 
vice versa or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was that. that same kind of like they equal themselves out and one pulls them in the right direction when the other's kind of, I mean, it's like a Jonas and Anders from Catatonia kind of thing, too. Yeah. yeah. One's very, like, into, like, noise and distortion. And one guy would likes cock rock. Yeah. You exactly. know, and I think it's that's that butting of heads that, that really kind of make them both Creates work. Creates a tense dynamic that creates, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That makes a lot of sense, so... Well, hopefully we haven't divided you too much uh, tonight, but we do want to know what you thought about Pyogenesis. Maybe you're a, a convert, like like you know, like I. Or became. you can say I'm a total charlatan for liking them, but yeah, hey, whatever. That's all right. You know, I mean, I think I think you you can't argue, even if you didn't get into maybe the Twin L Blood stuff, you have to at least admit that it's it's interesting that a band would would go in that that kind of direction. And, yeah, and I uh, think if, if whatever shed their fans, whatever moves you. Know? If I hear like a Kanye West song, and I think that's that's sweet. Then I'm going to listen to it. Not that I, I do, but I've got two Kanye uh CDs. no see, I, I think yeah I mean the, the older you get listening to music I think you just kind of like branch on whatever grabs your attention grabs your attention and it's it's a lot easier to sort of put those walls down and just enjoy music without you enjoy it so much more pretenses yeah. you know and like street cred <laughs> and all this stuff and you know this is coming- I think and personally I would you know us both working at record stores knowing quite a few people I have I think it gives you more street cred when you walk out of a record store with, you know, with a Sunrod bootleg and, uh, you know, whatever, Death Spiritual Healing. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's across the board. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just like, okay, I'm going to get all my Metallica records and then they reissue them. I'm going to get all those again. And, sure. I don't know. I'm just, the whole, the whole Mark, kind of mentality. Mark and I collectively bought today a you know, Godflesh Street Cleaner on vinyl and a, a PJ Harvey record. Yeah, I picked know? up, yeah, Mono One More Step and You Die in LP as well. There you so. go. That's pretty much par for our course, I think, right there. <laughs> In a sense, you know, if we had gotten some grim black metal thing, too. That yeah, I was hoping of, to get a Kylesia CD, but yeah, yeah, so, yeah. it happens. But uh, anyways, so enjoy Symbol of Disgrace and let us know what you thought about this. Shoot us an email at requiempodcast at gmail.com or go to requiempodcast.com. Yeah, All kinds and, uh, of great features. Post some comments and there's going to be a little uh, link to Mono uh, Africa, the, the cover, right? Yep. On there. Yep. And stuff, and uh, maybe even the the Twin L Blood video. Yeah, I'll throw the Twin like L uh, YouTube link or something there as well. So, or uh, just leave us a comment on iTunes or uh, uh, talk to you. Give us a post or a link on your blog, or talk about us on Twitter. That's even better. Whoa, Twitter! <laughs> we're, we're really embracing technology now. Uh, so. I've been on Twitter for a year and a half now. It's done. It's changed my life. It's great. Whoa! I highly recommend it if you're into. Uh, Crowdsourcing, as they say. Crowdsourcing, yeah, I like it. I've gotten six million dollar man shoes from that. Are you connected to any of the uh, the Republicans who were twittering at Obama's no, uh, speech I, I, I and stuff like that? I, I just I follow. I mean, for, personally, just to go on a, a, a brief I, little jag. Um, no, I usually follow a bunch of other uh, comic artists, and we're all working out of our house at the same time. We don't have a whole lot of social interaction, so this is kind of our, our water cooler kind of moments. And it's also great for just for publicity for getting the, the podcast out there. I sure. throw it out, and I've gotten quite a few different comments back from follow uh, fellow Twitterers. Well, this summer I'll I'll, I'll start twittering myself. Once you get I your think. iPhone, bam! Exactly, it's right on there. You have no excuse. Exactly, it's oh. better than instant messaging. Uh, well, I've never really even done that either. Or so. uh, which text messaging? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Enough, uh, okay, enjoy uh, enjoy uh, some love disgrace some and love uh, disgrace. We'll talk to you next week. All right, enjoy. Stream of my lost memory For I will touch your skin With bandages of lost and sin The days are needed 
you by my side when I was too blind to see your light see your light to see your light to see your light too blind to see your light to see your light to see your light to see Grace of disgrace.